Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up, everyone? Thanks for downloading the latest episode of the Membership Guys podcast with me, your host, Mike Morrison, one half of the Membership Guys. This is a show in which we dispense tips, advice, insight, and random ramblings about membership websites. So whether you're thinking about creating a membership, whether you're in the process of planning or building one, or whether you've had a membership site for years and you're just looking for a few pointers on how to take it to the next level, this is the show for you and what a show we've got lined up for you today. In today's episode, I'm joined by Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine and uh, we had a great conversation that overran a little bit. Funnily enough, this uh, interview with Nathan was going to be all about Instagram. So I want to talk to Nathan about how to use Instagram as a way of raising your visibility, driving traffic and so on. But we got to talking more about Founder and what's going on with that brand, how it all started out. And there was just so much value being dropped that we got to about an hour into the interview and realized we hadn't even discussed Instagram. So Nathan very generously carried on the conversation. We've turned it into a two-parter. And this first part is uh, going to be really, really essential listening for membership site owners. Nathan talks about launching a product from scratch when you literally have no customers. So making that first $5 online, why it's important to deliver no matter how big or how small your audience is. He talks about how he got Richard Branson to appear on his magazine in the early days of its existence, how to pitch to rock star influencers that nobody else is managing to get on their blog or their publication or in their podcast. He also talks a little bit about the differences he's experienced between selling one-off courses, selling a subscription product with his magazine, and selling a membership because he does have a membership site coming out, which we discussed a little bit so all of that's tied together into how he's leveraging his brand and all the stuff he's got going on to promote membership sites so there's a lot of gold in there for any of you guys listening who have your membership already if you're going to be launching and so on so without further ado i'm going to jump into my conversation with nathan chan this is part one of the interview and in a couple of weeks time we'll be going live with part two where we'll be talking all about instagram but for now Let's head straight into that conversation. All right, guys, so today I'm joined by Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine, the founder of Founder. How many times must you have heard that one, Nathan? (laughs) A lot, man. (laughs) Never gets old. (laughs) Nathan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Really looking forward to our conversation. I'm sure a lot of people will have already come across you. But for anyone who hasn't heard of you, maybe they've not yet come across Founder Magazine, can you give us a bit about your background? What's your story, man? Yeah, sure thing. Thank you, Mike. Look, dude... You know, thank you so much for the kind words. I think we're only getting warmed up, though, bro. Like, nice. you know, we, 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 we've hit a, some good strides at the moment, but um, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, so for those of you that uh, haven't heard of our work, and I, I think it'll be a big proportion uh, of your audience, man, but um, look, for, for those of you that, that are not familiar with the brand, 
uh, were an entrepreneurial brand. Uh, we we started off as a digital magazine, uh, targeting young, aspiring, novice stage entrepreneurs. That's still generally our target audience, but uh, you know, we've we've kind of branched out. So we're a monthly publication, digital publication on the App Store, Google Play Store. And we interview super successful entrepreneurs like Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Rich, you know, uh, Seth Godin, and Tim Ferriss. The list kind of goes on. And we started off as a monthly publication because I identified that there wasn't really a publication out there that served early stage startup founders and yeah. business owners. A lot of these publications, I guess, assume you've already started a business. So that was a big part of it. And yeah, just started while I was working my day job. Didn't know where it would, would end up. Um, still surprised to this day how far I've been able to take it. And, uh, yeah, built it while I was working my day job. Took me about a year to build it up. And uh, now we've kind of, yeah, we're kind of kind of building a platform more than anything now. It's not just a magazine. So found it, you started with the magazine, but now, you know, we've got a, a podcast, you know, we've got, you know, a blog, social channels. Uh, we're starting to get into the online uh, courses. We have a membership uh, platform. So, yeah, just uh, – multifaceted platform really just a, a media company now and uh yeah so we've been operating three years we just turned three wow. and yeah we're just getting warmed up man like uh, there's a lot of work to be done but just having a ton of fun awesome i do kind of spike a little when i hear that young entrepreneurs because i've always considered myself to fall into that bracket until i saw some adverts for some local young entrepreneurs networking and they kind of capped it off at 30 and now I'm starting <laughs> to feel a little bit old now but uh, you know I know you, yeah I know you have like Chris Ducker and stuff on on the cover so he's way older than me so uh, I don't <laughs> I don't feel too bad yeah you know it's funny that right like how old is Richard Branson dude yeah, or Seth Godin man like some of these guys are pretty old but you know the play here is that a lot of your mentors are a lot older than you. Yeah. You know, they've they've traveled down the path that you want to travel down. And uh yeah, you know, look, it's funny. I have seen like here in Australia, uh PWC have this award, Price Waterhouse Coopers here. I don't, they probably have it all around the world, but they have young entrepreneur of the year. And they consider young entrepreneur forty and under. Wow. Interesting, right? It is, yeah. I suppose that's just kind of reflects how entrepreneurship has changed i suppose over the last decade or two decades because uh, yeah i'd imagine kind of a bit before our time it was sort of in your 40s and your 50s where maybe you'd you'd made a nest egg you you got your family affairs sorted and then you branch out into you know into the world unless you were a branson or someone who because you know let's remember branson was seen as a bit of a wonder kid because he he was so young, I think, when he, he was getting started and he was quite fresh on the scene. Mm. So obviously the uh, Founder Magazine, it's a digital magazine. Now, what made you decide to go down the magazine route? Because, man, that's a lot more work than a blog or a podcast or, you know, what most people will just dive straight into if they want to get content out. Obviously, the end result is a lot more impressive it's it's sexy as hell in terms of design i love the design of it and the style of it oh thank you man what led to that decision was it 
a deliberate move to be different or was there something about a magazine format that drew you in personally? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, Mike. I get this question quite a lot. Hmm. and It's basically what I we're wish- saying is, are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I get this question quite a lot, dude, and I wish I could tell you it was super strategic. Mm. It was not, man. Like, literally, when I launched Founder, I was still looking for a marketing job, dude. Right. Like, I was working in IT, working, like, in this shitty job. And so funny because I actually went back to the to the company that I used to work for and I did them – an Instagram presentation just as a favor to the CEO. So this is a $300 million company. He's one of my mentors now. And I just said as a favor, I can do an, like a, a presentation to your marketing team because they're leaving a lot of money on the table, not crushing on Instagram. And uh, I'm feeling a little nostalgic because we're talking about <laughs> back in the day, you know, three years ago, even, you know, one, like two, two years ago. So it took me about a year to build up. And right. before I left my day job, so man, at the time I was looking for a marketing job. I was working in IT support. I just absolutely hated it, and I thought I'd just start this passion project. I didn't know that I could build it up to leave my day job, dude. Dude, when I did a launch, like the launch for like the first issue, there was no launch uh, for the first year. We had no social presence. We didn't even have a like a, a blog. It was crazy, man. Um, I just kind of worked it all out along the way. And it, I think it's – I was just kind of seeking just the uh, – a solid business model, to be honest with you, Mike. And, mm. and uh, you know, along the way, you know, one year later still, you know, right now we've got a pretty solid business model and, and we've got our, you know, pathway mapped out. But there's still a lot more that we can add to the canvas. Like we haven't added events. We haven't done – you know, we can do so much more. We haven't done any software, like all these other things. But – um, and I'm starting to think, you know, three years ahead from now and super strategic. But back then, no strategy there. All I knew was this, Mike, that there wasn't really a publication out there that served the kind of audience that I was looking to serve. Yeah. And I considered myself in that audience because Founders my first serious business. So here I am, some guy producing a magazine about entrepreneurship, didn't even know anything about entrepreneurship. <laughs> I went in my 20s, in my early 20s, I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. That's like how green I was, dude. And then the the four-hour work week, reading that book changed the game for me. But to answer your question, not strategic at all. All I knew was there was, I thought, a market to serve there. And I knew it wasn't, the magazine wasn't going to be print because that was just way too expensive. Yeah. I never had any money at the time. So I chose a off-the-shelf publishing uh, piece of software to create the magazine, and we just outsourced everything and uh, just kind of just worked it out along the way, man. Awesome, man. So what was what was it like for that first year where you say you didn't really have a, a proper launch? You just kind of – did you just like create it? There it was. Okay, now what do we do now? Not having that social presence, what was it like for you building that momentum at – you know, were there points where you kind of thought, you know what, I'm not sure about this? Or did you have that steadfast, you know, total commitment, we're going to see this through, this is this is going to be huge? Because a lot of our listeners with membership sites, I think one of the biggest fears they have is launching it 
or you know not having the the facility i suppose to launch it not having a crowd to launch to how did you you stick it out through that first year or so when you were building momentum i think the biggest thing for me was the first launch on the app store hmm. it wasn't on the google play store then and and that was the first five dollars i'd ever made online and it was just game changing dude and then after a month i made eighty dollars and I was just like, you know, yeah, okay, you know, you know, told a few of my friends, they laughed at me, <laughs> and and then, you know, the next month we made like a hundred bucks, yeah, and then the month after that we made like one hundred fifty bucks, and I could just start, I got, no, I think we made a couple hundred once we got a month three, but I just could start to see, um, this this mo- like this momentum that we were building, yeah, and once I published the first issue. I was like, shit, we, we actually got people buying this thing. <laughs> like I've got to work on the next issue now because of monthly publication. And, and and the thing that kept me going, Mike, was not not around you know building momentum or building the audience. I was just really focused and concerned on the on the paid customers that we had. I didn't want to let people down because that that's one of my biggest weaknesses is I care a lot about letting people down. Like I never want to let anyone down. Like yeah. it's a problem. Like still to this day, I write back to every single email because I feel like a jerk if I don't, <laughs> unless it's an absolute ridiculous email, I won't write back to you. But oh, like, it's just, it's just a problem of mine. Right. And it's just holding me back. But I, in this instance, I use it to my advantage. So I didn't want to let people down. And from not wanting to let people down, I just shipped every single month and I built up a really, really, really good shipping muscle. And what do I mean by shipping? I I, I launched, like I, I produced something and put it out into the world and we, we that's what we did with the magazine every single month. And, you know, the first issue of the magazine didn't, have, didn't even have a successful person on the front cover. Right. It was a stock image. It just looked absolutely ridiculous. If you go back <laughs> and look at it, it's like this guy with like this – it's like like Superman, like it looks like he's Superman, and it's just it's just so dark. I was and, I was wondering who that was. <laughs> yeah, that's nobody, man. There, there's this. So this is this is this is you know grassroots, dude, and that's how I built the momentum. Just shipping and building the magazine up, and when we got our big break in yeah. So for the first four months, in the first four months, we were sued for trademark infringement by wow. a big magazine in the states. We recovered from that. Changed the name to Founder, and just before we got sued, I landed the I, I landed the interview with Richard Branson. So that was going to be for issue number eight, and we made the Branson issue free, and that was a big tipping point for us because we use that as a way to generate social proof, and you know we made that issue free. And, you know, it, it got people through the doors and, you know, I saw a big uh, step up in growth. And and by the time that we – after we went through the lawsuit, I was like, yeah, I think I can make this work. I was like, I think I can build it up, make, you know, enough money to, you know, because we we're bootstrapping and we were outsourcing everything. It didn't cost that much in terms of operating costs to produce the magazine, Mike, and I was just extremely frugal. And I was said to myself, yeah, look, I think that we can make this magazine replace operating, co- operating costs 
and you know make enough money so I can pay myself a small wage and 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 you know turn this into something and you know I was still like thinking Mike like um, even when I left my day job that maybe I was just going to do f- like a lifestyle business and yeah. that's what I had to work out it took me about six months to work out whether I was going to build a lifestyle business or an actual startup and I chose the startup path and um, ever since i Chose that startup path. That's when I really, really started to ramp things up, man. And and you know, I'd left my job and kind of found my feet. And yeah, around that time, that's when we found Instagram too. That Branson call. How did it feel when that call or that email came in to say, "Yeah, he's in." Oh man, that was the best ever. Because dude, um, I I pitched for a Skype interview, and they they said, you know, um. Like, please understand that, like, he's super, super busy and, uh, you know, we – like, you, like, how long have you been around for? I spoke to the head of PR and she's like um, – uh, she's like, how long have you been around for? And I was like, oh, you know, about four months. And she's like, oh, wow, you're so new. And she's like, I tell you what, just send me an email and I, I might take a while to get back to you, but I promise I will. And, like, I thought I blew it, man. Like, I was stumbling. I was all over the place. And, uh, you know, three weeks later, she got back to me and said, yeah, look, um, yep, done. Awesome. Uh, and I was just like, boom. And I was super, super pumped. And, um, yeah, we worked with his team. And, yeah, that was a big changing point for us that really built the momentum, Mike, and then just shipping every single month, like just focusing on the product in, you know, shipping even if we had 10 readers at the time yeah. and and not wanting to let our audience down if people were paying money even if it's only two dollars a month man even if it's three dollars a month whatever um just being constantly concerned with the audience that you have no matter how big it is and uh just kept building momentum from there landing that big fish there you know for podcasters bloggers and uh you know basically anyone who's trying to score interviews in this sort of space within the world of online business, you have that upper echelon of, of guys that everyone wants to speak to, you know, Amy Portfields, Pat Flains, Chris Tuckers, Michael Hyatt, and, you know, you're joining their ranks too as well. But someone like Branton, he's next level. So that that must have got a lot of people's attention very quick. And then you've obviously gone on to, to land some of the huge fish, Seth Gordon, Tony Robbins, you know, people you're not seeing on podcasts really you're not seeing in in you know joe blog's blog what sort of approach do you have what would your tips be for um someone trying to land a big interview not that way we suddenly want uh richard branson's pr uh representative to be inundated with uh, emails from our listeners but <laughs> what sort of approach did you have did you just kind of was it a, a hit and hope or was there a strategy behind it do you think the magazine format gave you a bit more credibility than say a podcast or just a blog yeah so i never knew it at the time but the magazine definitely has given a lot of credibility as opposed to uh, a podcast or a blog um like you said you know it's it's there's a lot more perceived value around a magazine and have a front cover and there's something really sexy about it man Mm -hmm. um even if it's not a print magazine uh you know and uh and then, and then we use the social proof with the Richard Branson piece. It's a no-brainer. And then we got you know, have quite a sizable audience as well. And then it's even more of a no-brainer now. So, and that's, a and that's still free now as well. The Branson. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Still free. Yep. So there was a few distinct things that we've done, Mike, to to build the brand and to get these interviews. So, 
um, I'd like to share these with you because um, I think you really hit home with what I think you're trying to get at. And 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 the few distinct things we did was we created a magazine. We shipped it every single month. We produced brilliant content for that publication. But we were very, very focused on design. And, you know, I learned that lesson about design from 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 a dear friend, Karen, who, who, who has been working with us uh, since the beginning. And he's designed the magazine. He's done all our branding and, he's, and he still does it, you know, three years later. And, uh, you know, he, he taught me the power of design. And, and I knew that in the App Store, you want to have brilliant design because, you know, Apple, look, look at Apple, man. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, the same goes for any apps. You're not going to trust an app uh, to even just the screenshots if the design looks crap. So I, I learned the power of design from there. And then having these influencers or ambassadors um, from there, you know, I learned around how to build an epic brand with like great design and, and amazing ambassadors and how to build trust and you have brilliant content and then you've got a solid business and a solid brand. And then from that, we use that as leverage. Uh, so we've got the magazine, you know, using that as leverage. Then we had the Richard Branson piece. So we scored, like you said, a big fish. And, and then, you know, some of the strategies I have were like, you know, if people were looking for interviews, like I, I knew that Tim Ferriss was looking for interviews because to promote his uh, TV series that he yeah. launched last year. I knew that Seth Godin was looking for interviews. And, you know, we we don't just interview, you know, the Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin's like we have um, like the founder of Y Combinator um, on, on a future front cover issue, like or like Brene Brown. And the, and these are, these are people that may uh, – that, that are big rock stars in the eye of the public or or maybe not so much, but I, I see them as as massive rock stars as well that are not on everyone's podcast or, or, or get interviewed. Um, so we don't just interview, you know, the 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 big time entrepreneurs. We we try to spice it up as well. But to answer your question around the, the tactics and strategies, one, are these people looking for interviews? If they're looking for press, then there's a few different ways you can go about it. Uh, because if they're looking for press, you're more likely to get an interview. Same with Tony Robbins. He had a book. So one thing you can do is you can look at the Amazon coming soon, and that will um, help you identify if any books are coming out soon because anyone that – um, is launching a book, they have to submit their publisher or even if you're self-publishing, people usually submit them to the coming soon yeah. um, because then people can pre-order. So like Gary V did that, you know, for example. You know, that's how we got the interview with Gary V. He had right. a big book, you know. Yeah, you know, same thing, man. Like so you can look at the Amazon coming soon page. Uh, you want to look who the publisher is if they do have a publisher and you want to get in touch with their head of PR. Um, some of these people use agencies like, for example, Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss use the exact same marketing agency, right. which is uh, Brass Check Marketing run by Ryan Holiday. So if you can get in with those guys, they'll actually come to you before – like if you build a good relationship, they'll actually come to you before – like once they're just starting to tee all the interviews up in prep for the book launch. 
Uh, so, you know, a big part of it is relationships as well, but also finding these agencies. So, you know, we've interviewed the founder of Zero Accounting or Indiegogo or Eventbrite. They all came from PR agencies that I have relationships with. Um, you know, this PR agency, they're like, I'm trying to get them to get me an interview with the founder of Dropbox. Nice. Uh, so, it's because they have a relationship with Dropbox. So, so these are the kind of things that I'm always doing. And then also when it comes to pitching, there's many different strategies and tactics you can use. We wrote an in-depth blog post called, uh, if you go to foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R-Mag.com forward slash get interviews, interviews with an S at the end. Um, it's like a 7,000-word blog post where we reveal our exact system that we use. But um, – a big piece of it as well is finding the gatekeeper. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, whether it's the virtue, whether it's that person's assistant, whether it's that person's PR person, whether it's an agency they're using, uh, you might have to pitch. Um, uh, eventually, you know, if you, if you build up enough cred, people will come to you and we get that a bit now, but we still do pitch all the time. Like I was trying, I've pitched for the founder of Slack and they said, no, I pitched for, Oprah, they said no. <laughs> I pitched for Jamie Oliver, they said no. But all of them said, "Come back. Yeah, let us know soon. You know, and, and I'll come back in six months. I'll follow up, dude. That's another thing. A lot of people don't follow up. Barbara Corcoran, she said no, and then I can't even like I, I can, when I showed them like I actually attached the rich. I always attach the Richard Branson feature so they can get an idea of how the magazine front cover will look, and then we repurpose it because we do a Skype interview and we repurpose it for the podcast. And, um, you know, she said no. And uh, I came back and I said, okay, six months has passed. This is, you know, how many more people we have in our audience. This is what we can do for you. And uh, would you would you be interested? And then they said yes. So, you know, even just following up, dude, you know, some people get a, a shutdown and then they take that as a shutdown for forever. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, sales 101, bro. Um, you know, how many no's do you, do you, do you need to get to before you get to the yes? Mm. Uh, so that's that's a big part of it as well. And then when we pitch now, like we we try we make it an absolute no brainer. And we and you know, in that in that article, we shared the exact pitches that we use as well. Awesome, love that. And the that tip about the 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 press agencies as well, I think it's very easily forgotten because these guys who you're reaching, they're not the sort of people where you're going to just be able to find their email online, drop them a note and, you know, ask them directly, do you want to pop on the podcast? You know, they, they pay big money to companies to do that for them. And uh, that's, yeah, that's right. So they look good if they get you, if they get these people interviews for sure, like, like they, they have to write reports on like client exposure. So then they go, oh, okay, you've paid us, you know, five grand or 10 grand this month, and this is how much exposure we've got you. Yeah. It's funny because yeah. um, probably about 10 years ago, I'm, I'm a huge nerd. I love video games, all that sort of stuff. So about 10 years ago, I was involved in online radio. Uh, it was a little internet radio station for gamers. And a spin-off project we did for that was a digital magazine. Um, this oh. Before the App Store, before the technology was really there, uh, my partner, this was just a hobby thing, my partner was a an insane developer, programmer. And he built, you know, those page turner um, apps that you see now on websites. Yes, he yes. he kind of built one of those before you could could find them. And we created this digital magazine based around yeah, online wow. online gaming. Um, we had about it was free. 
We had about a quarter of a million readers for the first issue, um, heading towards half a million for the second. The server got hacked. He didn't have any backups. All the work went and uh, sorted our enthusiasm for the project. Yeah, but with that, um, exactly what you're saying there just reminded me of that about press agencies. You know, we looked for the games that were coming out and we contacted the press agencies. And like you say, it's kind of their job to, to, to score that visibility. Um, admittedly, we were mainly doing it because we wanted to get some free video games. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, awesome. you know, yes. we locked down some big, big interviews that we'd been trying to get for the, the radio station where we did, we actually did live voice interviews on it. And we could, we had a much harder time scoring those because it was a, a newer format. It wasn't familiar, but the magazine side of things, um, was, was different. But, uh, yeah, I still, I still have the odd war style flashback to that email that I got saying that we'd lost, uh, <laughs> we'd lost all of that work with the magazine. But, uh, yeah. oh my God, man, that's devastating, dude. Sounds like you're onto something, though. Uh, it was one of those things where, you know, it was such a hobby thing that, uh, you know, you don't really know kind of what you want to or anything like that um but it was fun it was it was good it was a lot of work but uh kind of like you're saying just bootstrapping it together let me say this was back in 2006 2007 anyhow sorry little trip down memory lane now i'm probably gonna snip that a little bit that's <laughs> <laughs> all good right <laughs> so obviously i know you were you were recently speaking at a tropical think tank over in the philippines with uh my fellow Brit, Mr. Ducker, and uh, you're going to be at social media marketing world in just a few weeks time actually we'll both be there but I'll be in the audience. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, look forward to catching yeah, up, bro. Yeah, for sure, man. I'll be the sunburnt uh, English guy. So, uh, but how does it actually feel now, just a few years on, to be sharing the stage with the sort of people who, you know, you were kind of reaching out to and trying to score interviews with just a couple of years ago? How, how does it feel to be there with them? Hmm. Well, I don't know. This, this, this uh, answer might surprise you, Mike, but... To be honest with you, dude, I haven't really thought about it, and I don't know. It, it is a great feeling, and it's these are great opportunities that I'm getting. But to be honest with you, um, I'm not that big on my personal brand, dude. Mm. Like, like the reason I'm doing these talks is, is yeah, it's it's a good like you know experience and whatnot, and and it, it's great and it's fun and and stuff like that. But the real place to grow founder, like I, I'm doing these speaking gigs for networking, man, to network with the other speakers. <laughs> um, I don't really mind. Like uh, I, my thing is, you know, I'll, I'll do. Uh, I've said now I only want to do four keynotes uh, if they are keynotes, you know. Um, out of Melbourne, whether it's interstate or international, I do four a year and cap it at that because I'm just so uh, focused on growing founder. And yeah, I don't, um, yeah, I've never really thought about it like that. But you know, it's really, I get, it is cool to, to, to uh, grace the stage with uh, some of these rock stars. But at the same time, man, that, that doesn't really mean much to me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, like, that just that's just where my head's at. I'm not that big on the personal brand thing. I'm all focused on on growing founder. Yeah, so it's more just so that you know you're you're there with people who you can bring in a founder to to build that brand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or just meet meet uh, you know 
like I look forward to catching up with you, dude. Like you know, just meeting people. Um, that's 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 my game. Like that's 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 where it's at. Like even just you know connecting with the other speakers and networking and uh, learning from other people. That's that's where it's at. Um, I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not that really big on talks. Like I know I, I can do a good job with them and stuff, yeah. but um, and I openly do them if, if people ask me. But I've got my limit. Um, but yeah, biggest focus is founder. Uh, the whole play is founder. I, I I'm even going to detach myself uh, from the brand even more in the sense that uh, I probably won't do the founder podcast forever. Right. Um, I'll get someone else in our team. Like it's it's. Yeah, I don't want to make founder about me yeah, to answer your yeah. question. I don't. I'm, I'm not interested in, in uh, building like a, a Gary V personal brand or anything of the sort. I suppose that's the thing. I mean, you know, if you ask me to name uh, the the person behind the most, you know, the top ten most read magazines in the UK, uh, I could not <laughs> for the life of me name that. So <laughs> I suppose, yeah, that that kind of <laughs> having that sort of personal brand, you're almost competing with the the founder brand if. If you know the the Nathan Chan brand gets too big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and that's and that's something I'm mindful of. Mm. I think I try and think of it like this. So, and it's something I'm pretty obsessed about, to be honest, Mike. Um, at the moment, so I try and think of it like this: like Richard Branson, how like he's a massive ambassador for the Virgin brand. So I'm Nathan Chan. I'm a massive ambassador for the founder brand. Um, but in terms of the actual product, you know, the product is called Founder. The magazine is called Founder. Yeah. I don't even touch the magazine anymore. I just I gloss it over and have a look, but I don't put it together. Um, same with the blog. I don't do any writing on the blog. We've got an editor and a full-time content guy. I teach the Instagram course, one of our products, and you'll see me in the videos for Founders Club um, just because I'm the leader and I, you know, I'm the CEO and the founder of Founder. But I'm not in, I'm not, I don't, I spend a bit of time in the community, but it's not about me. We have a dedicated community manager. And um, yeah, the only thing that I need to really fully detach myself from the brand so it's self sufficient without me is that Instagram course. All our future courses will be taught by other people. And uh, yeah, the podcast. And and yeah, maybe I can still do the podcast just for fun. Um, Not sure. See how we go. But. Yeah, that's something I'm very, very mindful of, Mike. I don't want to build a cash flow based business. I want to build an asset based business. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Richard Branson isn't flying transatlantic flights, you know, four or five times a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, but it is. You're right. It is a. It is a very thin line, and I'm uh, very mindful of it. Yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned a couple of things there. You mentioned your Instagram course, and you mentioned Founders Club. Now, obviously, Founder the magazine. It's a subscription product so you know um there's a lot of shared elements between that and you know the sort of membership sites our listeners will be building you've got founder club which is in in a private beta right now uh which is your membership site yes and then you've got your instagram course and and the instagram course was kind of the one-off static you know traditional kind of e-course how correct how how different have you found marketing and selling those kind of one-off products versus the the more subscription-based aspect of uh, that is kind of at the core of Founder and obviously is uh, is going to be in place for Founders Club too? Mm. Um, great question. I think 
with the one-off stuff, like the Instagram course, uh, I think you you can work a little hard. Like, so the thing with the one-off stuff is 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 I think of also like the price tiers mm. as well. So like the Instagram course right now we sell it's the public at two thousand dollars. Uh, nineteen nine not one nine nine seven, and uh, you know the way that we sell that product is is mainly through webinars and email, right. and with with the the magazine that's all organic now. Like it's just word of mouth and and mainly uh, App Store SEO that that uh, we're getting a lot of organic uh, and and just word of mouth and brand. We don't uh, work um, that hard to sell the magazine, a little bit through email, but not too much, yeah. to be honest with you, Mike. And then for Founders Club, I guess I guess the big two correlations I've found is uh, when someone has a one-off purchase, if you have a 30-day money-back guarantee or 60 or whatever, you still have to have a solid onboarding process yeah. and you still have to re-communicate the value um, before. Like and uh, during that trial period, what would have you? But with uh, you know a magazine and a membership site, and I think more so with a membership site, you have to resell every single month and really, really showcase the value and communicate the value. So it's not like a one-off sale. It's yeah. like you're selling every single month. Like you want to have – we don't do this with the magazine, but with, with Founders Club, like you want to have random bonuses uh, when somebody's a member for three months and you want to give a gift to someone once they've been a member for six months. You want to reward that kind of stuff, man. For sure. And I think that, you know, we, we talked about briefly before we hit record, that's where so many people fall down because they don't realize that kind of long-term commitment because, you know, a membership, it's, it's a value exchange. You know, I'm a member, mm. I'll keep adding value to you in terms of, you know, adding funds to your bank balance, adding contributions to your community and so on for as long as you keep, you know, giving me value month on month, year on year. And I think a lot of people miss that because you see all this stuff with online courses, for example, where it's all these tales of the seven and eight figure launches and all of that. So I think people get seduced by the idea of doing the same sort of thing with a membership site. Yeah, I, I think so too, dude. And, you know, I can speak from experience. It was funny, I was talking to a friend, I was ranting about this to a friend um, today. We did we did a big launch for our Instagram course, you know, our first ever Jeff Walker-style launch. Yeah. Uh, and um, it did quite well, like very well. But the amount of money that you make after you pay affiliates, you know, you pay Facebook ads, yeah. you know, you consider the amount of time that you and your team like put in blood, sweat and tears, um, the, the payment for production, like, you know, to, to produce the videos for our launch cost over $20,000. Wow. Um, like, cause we want to do super high quality on brand, of course. And then also you take into consider, um, you know, refunds and actually people that go on payment plans and their card keeps bouncing. Yeah. Like, why don't you take all that into consideration, dude? You do a million dollar launch and the amount of money that you make is nowhere near uh, a million dollars, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, it, it, you know, we are definitely not going to live uh, off launches and it's definitely not the bee's knees. Um, uh, and I'm a massive, massive believer 
in recurring and and have treating that as your core business. I don't know how a lot of these other guys do it where they they don't they're going to do four month four four launches a year. It's just they exhausting. One each quarter and then yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't rate that. I rate it as a good influx for cash flow, yeah. but um, you know, core business is where it's at, and and you know you don't rely on it, and you yeah yeah that that's what I'm all about. Yeah, for sure. I think I remember reading um, kind of a, an unofficial analysis of Marie Folio's B School launch, uh, maybe in a couple of years ago, where somebody actually broke down what you know that two million dollar launch probably actually worked out at and yeah i think she pays 50 percent to affiliates and then you've got the refund rates and you've got your costs and expenses and i suppose if you're relying on it it just takes one bad year if you're only releasing once or twice a year it just takes like one or two bad spells to completely kill your business yeah yeah dude it's crazy it is absolutely crazy um so yeah, I, I like launches. I think they're good for you know, um, I guess uh, building your email list, spreading the word. Um, you know, uh, a great benefit for us. You'll love this one. The, your audience is gonna love this one. All right. So when we did our launch, we had a one-click upsell for Founders Club. Right. So we launched Founders Club to a very very small portion of our uh, email database. Like you know, I think it was maybe one tenth or one twelfth. And we got a couple hundred members from that. And then uh, from there, it was in beta. And then for the Instagram domination launch, we did a one-click upsell. And it was like it converted at 34%. Wow. So we got a few hundred new members through that. And these are uh, these are people who are paying – one nine nine seven for a course. Yeah, so at at the time we sold the course at nine nine seven. So we've recently increased the price because we have to stay, uh, I guess, committed to our work. Like yeah. you say, the price is going to increase. We increase it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, dude, you know that one click upsell crushed it. So if anybody's listening to this, you want to know a great way to sell your membership: one click upsell from a high tier down to a low tier. It you know, a lower priced um, price point, significantly lower. So you're going from, you know, nine, nine, seven to, you know, 40 bucks yeah. <laughs> is, is crazy. No brainer, man. Um, and if you can, if you can, if you can communicate in the one click up, so I think videos work well, you know, do use a video for yeah. the one click upsell so people really understand what they're getting. Um, there were a, f- a few people that still, you know, just click through and then they want a refund because they didn't realize what was happening. That's fine. Uh, but um, if you really communicate the value and you communicate the correlation between the two products, then it's a no-brainer. And um, that that that's that's a gold tip for the audience right there. I, I probably shouldn't even share that one. Say good. <laughs> um, no, love it, love it. Because I think people will quite often use their membership as a downsell to that big ticket item but uh, yeah tagging it on there as an upsell to that too especially when you open that one thousand two thousand dollars if someone's going to spend a thousand dollars they're going to spend one thousand and forty dollars it's going to happen yeah yeah that's right you know that's right and they can test it out if they like it they like it whatever but um you know we've had we've had a lot of success with that so yeah, we, we would do launches, Mike. I, I said to the team, we'll do max two a year. 
great influx of cash flow, but I'm super focused on Founders Club. I'm super focused on, you know, we want to have at least five to six more products, evergreen products taught by other people by the end of this year. And we will sell them on webinars uh, every single week. And, you know, we don't have to worry about all this launch stuff and costs and all that other crap. And we'll still do the launch. There's a good influx of cash flow, but I'm really focused on recurring core biz and uh, having our own products and, and just doing it all on our own, off our own bat. I've, yeah, uh, yeah that, that, that's just the way I feel about it all. Awesome. So what can you, what can you tell us about Founder Club? Because it's, it's new, it's very exclusive at the moment. You're going to be opening it up a bit broader over the coming months or so. What can you tell us about what's coming with that? Yeah, so the whole play with Founders Club, Mike, was, you know, one way that I worked out like what the business model should look like for the magazine was I found this website, a friend recommended it to me, and this was another magazine owner, a digital magazine owner that was doing really well uh, called McQuota, M-E-Q, I think it's U-O-D-A. And what these guys do is these are, these are magazine publishing consultants and their bread and butter, actually, I think they're from the UK too. Right. Their bread and butter is they help people or publishers that have been publishing a print magazine for like 20, 30 years and now they're struggling because the digital age has come in. And you know they charge a hefty fee. I've never paid them. But on their blog post, they, they, they lay out their whole formula. And I've just followed that whole formula, dude. They talk about, you know, moving your magazine digital. We've already done that. They talk about, you know, building your email list. They talk about building up your blog, building up your social channels. They talk about thinking of your magazine as a platform and your brand as a platform and building a multifaceted platform where you've got a membership site, where you have other courses, where you have a, you know, um, we haven't even gone into the advertising stuff. We don't really do much ads, but we're going to soon where we pair it up, where you get an ad on the podcast, like a, like a fully tier, like a, you know, a, a cross promoted across all of our assets, mm. you know, the podcast, you get a magazine, you get the podcast, you get the blog, you get the newsletter, you get the Instagram, whatever. But long story short, I just followed their model and, and, and their model has been always to, to introduce a membership site. So that was one, one of the reasons I decided to, to, to create the membership site. Another reason was because I felt that we needed a way to connect our community together. We had these silos occurring we had an audience on our blog. We have an audience on our social. We have an audience on our newsletter. We have an audience that listen to the mag, read the magazine. We have an audience that listen to the podcast. So I wanted to connect everyone together, and I didn't want to just create like a free Facebook group. Yeah. So another question that people were asking is, how do you get the magazine on your computer? I don't have. I have a Microsoft Surface, or you know, I don't have an Android device. I don't have a, an Apple device. How can we read the magazine on the computer? So that was another thing that people were coming to me uh, to as well. Another, a lot of people say they want access um, to 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 a lot of the a lot of people we interview, and and with all of that, we create Founders Club, dude. So you know, uh, you know, inside Founders Club, we have the community. We connect people up, and we're working on creating a way to do like these masterminds pretty much exactly how they do them at Tropical Think Tank, but virtually. And we're going to do them like every two weeks. And and this is the kind of stuff we're working on. So like people will come. Have you heard of the tool Zoom? 
Yes, yeah. So you can have rooms, as many rooms as you want, right? Yeah. So we'll cap each of those rooms at like 10 people or 20 people, and then we'll use a tool like Intercom to spit out like, you know, when we'll create like 10 different rooms, and we'll use a tool like Intercom to, to segment all these different people, maybe where they're from or whatever, mm. and then, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set these dates up in these rooms and we'll say, guys, on this date and this time, you'll randomly be chosen and you'll go into whatever room, like you'll be randomly chosen, we'll segment you out and you, and we'll create these rooms and just random people from all around the world will come on at the time and like you'll get five person, five people in one room, three people in another room, ten people in another room and then we'll just do masterminds and we're going to do that every couple of weeks and we're going to test it out, see how it goes but um, that's a piece of it that we're working on implementing as well. Masterminds, you get access to the community, which is, you know, just boss entrepreneurs that are doing cool stuff, business owners, founders, and then also you get access to the magazine. So you get access to the, all the latest issues as we release them each month, plus all the back issues. Uh, another thing that we've done is, uh, we've got this, um, we've got this, uh, like a lot of people, we're all paying for SAS, right? Yeah. You know, we pay for, at Founder, we pay for 50 different SAS, dude. And I thought know, ours was bad. <laughs> man. Well, we, we're, we're 10 times worse. And like, one of the things is we have all these networks, right? Like, why don't we utilize these networks with these brands that we've already collaborated with or we've interviewed their founders? So we, we created um, Founder founder Club Perks. Mm. So you get over like $10,000 worth of savings in all these different SaaSes like Intercom, Lead Pages, ClickFunnels, Olark, Stripe, you name it. So that's another thing you get inside Founders Club. And then another thing it was around the mentor piece. We have monthly mentor calls where you can do hot seats and you can come in and you can learn. We bring in experts. And eventually I'm going to call in favors and I'm going to try and get like Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss. I'm going to bring them all back so people yeah. can actually speak and ask questions to some of these guys. And then um, what else is there? Oh, then we have weekly recipes. That's another thing. So we do like it's in between a full-on course and a and an in-depth blog post. So it's mm. like mini mini courses inside the membership site platform. So mini courses inside Founders Club. We call we call them recipes. And uh, they're pretty much like how to, like how to do a high converting webinar. There's two videos for that and it's about 10, 15 minutes and you get a little sheet, um, like a little infographic that will show you the exact format of how to do a high converting webinar. So just all sorts of pieces like that, you know, how to create a high converting landing page, you know, what are the elements. These are core things that founders should know. And there's a few other things but that's everything into Founders Club. So there's a lot there, dude. And the recipes are weekly as well. Sounds awesome, man. And it's obviously you're putting a lot of value into it. Um, and you can see when you're talking about building up a whole platform of it not just being here's this ring-fenced uh, membership site, here's this ring-fenced podcast, here's the magazine over here. You can see there everything tied together and you can easily see how that could then 
evolve into live events which you mentioned earlier and it all just kind of flows across all these different mediums yeah that's it man so i think eventually we would start tapping into live events mm. and i think like we'll do we'll probably do a conference like a one like a once year conference and and that'll be just for people in founders club yeah. like it'll all spring out but i think there's a lot of room for us to move in event in the event space too and and founders club will be the f- will, will be like a place to do the testing ground so we can have a meetup and you know and and have um people doing meetups wherever around the world in that are in founders club because in person is where it's at dude i learned that when i went to tropical think tank um because yeah like i said i'm not that big on these talks but i'm happy to do them and a ton of fun and and i know i can do a good job but um it's crazy because i've never been to a conference i don't really go to these conferences dude and um tropical think tank was like the first international conference like business conference i've been to and it was crazy like how powerful in person was like that's yeah. where I understood how powerful these masterminds were. They did every day at Tropical Think Tank because they were so magical, man. Like there were people there, and even in level, like if you were on a table of six people, a table of six people, and there was someone that you know does a hundred k a year in their business, and someone else does two mil. Both those people were able to add value to that person's problem on what they were masterminding on um, in many different ways. It didn't really matter how far you were down the journey. Just there was a lot of gold shared. It was really magical and I really want to be able to capture that and input it into Founders Club. We'll see how we go. Maybe we have to build some software to do it. I don't know. Um, maybe we have to create some software that is like Tinder. So when you first sign up, you have to fill out some details. When you first sign up to Founders Club, you have to fill out some details and then you'll get matched according to where you're from, like you know where you're at with your business in terms of turnover, what industry you're in. You'll be automatically matched, like there'll be an algorithm and then it'll automatically create like a room in Zoom where you know you have a scheduled meeting and, and, you, and these like groups will collaborate together. I don't know this is the kind of way I'm thinking like like real big community play bro because people like you've said you always say this they come for the content they stay for the community absolutely absolutely and that sort of stuff you know I mean that sounds yeah that's right up our street very exciting we'll be keeping an eye on that we'll be uh joining you there in founders club when uh, <laughs> when you open the doors uh, we yeah we join every membership site but the uh we only oh wow well not every but there's only a few that we stick around on so something like that yeah that sounds definitely right up all street as membership site experts and as entrepreneurs as well you know both sides of the coin so that would be really really cool All right, guys, we're going to leave that chat there. Hopefully you guys have been able to get a lot of value from Nathan's experiences and what we discussed around building the founder brand, building out the magazine, how he's grown that and how all of that now is heading towards a membership model. I really, really enjoyed the chat with Nathan. He's a very cool guy. He's a very generous guy. There was actually a little scheduling snafu. And when we talked, it was about 11.30pm, his time over there in Australia. And I'd actually gotten the guy out of bed to do the interview. But uh, we went on for about 90 minutes or so. And the remainder of that conversation is going to be released as a separate podcast episode in about two or three weeks time because that 
all focuses on Instagram, which is another big thing that Nathan's been involved in. And we're going to be talking about how to grow a following and how to leverage that following for your business. So keep an eye out for that in about two to three weeks time. But for now, we're going to wrap things up. Hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Please do tweet us at Membership Guys to let us know what you think. Tweet Nathan as well and uh, let him know you enjoyed the episode. Let him know any feedback or any questions you might have. Tell him that we sent you. And as always, we appreciate and we value each and every review we got on iTunes. So if you want to say something nice about the show, hop over to our iTunes page and leave us a nice, shiny five-star review. I'll be back again very soon with another episode of the Membership Guys podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Membership Guys podcast, we invite you to check out the membersiteacademy.com. The Member Site Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. So whether you're still figuring out what your idea is going to be, or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Member Site Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Member Site Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. So check it out at membersiteacademy.com. Do you want to boost your member signups and take your membership to the next level? If so, you're not going to want to miss the free webinar that I'm running on Tuesday the 26th of March. It's called Supercharge Your Membership Sales and it is entirely free. During the webinar, you will learn how to level up your core membership sales funnel for more traffic leads and sales. You'll discover the biggest roadblocks that could be costing you sales right now and most importantly, how to fix them. And we're going to cover the key tactics that you need to have in place to successfully market and scale your membership. Plus, you get the opportunity to tap into my years of expertise in the membership space and have me help solve your current sales and marketing challenges. So, if you want to take your membership sales to the next level, join me on Tuesday, March 26th at 7pm UK time and go to membershipgeeks.com slash webinar. That's membershipgeeks.com slash webinar to secure your free seat today.